football is very self-centered. But my foundation and what I write is solely on the basis of helping others. Welcome to episode 63. I'm Luke Winstall. This is The Luke Winstall Show. Today I'm joined by former University of Georgia and New England Patriots wide receiver Malcolm Mitchell. Malcolm became nationally known on the football field when he played at the University of Georgia, where when he graduated he finished ranked third in school history with 174 catches for over 2,300 yards and 16 touchdowns. Malcolm was picked in the fourth round of the 2016 draft by the New England Patriots, where he won Super Bowl 51 against Atlanta in a spectacular comeback. Before being drafted into the NFL, Mitchell wrote a book called The Magician's Hat and started the Share the Magic Foundation. His foundation encourages kids to go on the magical journey of reading. On the show today, I talked with Mitchell about his beginnings, football career, and his journey to starting his nonprofit. We'll go ahead and dive into the interview. Malcolm, thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing very well. I'm very excited to talk to you about your foundation and what you're doing reading and everything that you've been able to accomplish both on and off the football field. First up for you, I'm curious, what is your background and what was your life like for you growing up? I grew up in Valdosta, Georgia, single-parent household. I'm the middle of three children. We grew up in a low-income family, but that term does not represent my mom's tenacity, nor her drive to ensure her kids understood hard work, dedication, and sacrifice. She's always for anything that I'm ever able to accomplish. I also blame her for some of my bad character traits as well. What was your football journey like, and how did you end up going from playing in Valdosta to ending up at UGA? Ironically enough, I didn't watch much football growing up. I think I was more into cartoons, and really that was it. I was always active. I was never a kid that stayed in the house playing video games, so it was natural for me to gravitate to sports, especially in Valdosta, Georgia, where football reigned supreme. I would say I follow the mold of many kids from Valdosta, Georgia, um... I think it, in 11th grade, when I got a call from uh, Nick Saban and Mark Rick, Urban Meyer, and, and those group of coaches, that's when my interest peaked that I could turn my ability to play sport into something much more than just a hometown activity. When you played at Georgia, what would you say was your career highlight there? Because I know you had a lot of great moments, a lot of victories in your time. My career highlights, honestly, I don't even think it was on the field. I think it was a lot of the things that happened at practice or traveling to and from games. Honestly, I would say being embedded in that community was probably the highlight of my experience at UGA. And I know there are a lot of great moments on the football field, but you know, as you live life, you'll learn that you know, the relationships you create are way more valuable than the individual accomplishments. For sure. When you came to the University of Georgia, your reading level was around the middle school level. So within a five-year span from 2011 to 2015, you go from coming in not reading at a high level to becoming an award-winning author. So how were you able to do that? That's a good question. I was talking to Keith Marshall 
a former teammate and a really good friend of mine today. And we talked about, because we both went through a, a, a similar cycle of injuries in college. Through those injuries, it kind of forced us to step back out of our narrow focus of just being good at sports and trying to be good at everything that we were doing uh, and being good people. So I know for me personally, the thing that I struggled with most at that time was literacy. I saw how it was affecting my everyday life, and I felt without being literate, I was not being a well-rounded person. It extended beyond being a good football player to me wanting to be a good person. And I knew if I could educate myself and become literate and a lifetime learner, I would give myself the better chances at being the best version of the person I wanted to be. And I think with that concept in mind, I just started my journey. And it was tough. It was. I always associated it with uh, like a year-long training camp. Because when I first started the process, you know, my feelings were a bit hurt because some of the text that I wanted to read that I knew would help me learn and excel, maybe some of the books on Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, top 10 books of the year list, I couldn't read those books because my reading skills weren't high enough. So I took the same approach that I took to, to sport. You know, I would start with the fundamentals and then grow within it. So I started the process of learning to be literate with picture books. And from there, I just made incremental steps to improve. Very interesting. Can you pinpoint a time when you really learned to love reading and you decided that it was kind of a calling for you? Yeah, I knew reading was something special and magical, hence the name of my foundation, Share the Magic Foundation. Uh, When I was reading Harry Potter, I was reading Harry Potter in Snelling Snelling Dining Hall uh, downstairs, uh, and it's a cafeteria on UGA campus. And I was reading the book for about an hour or two. My alarm went off, which alerted me I needed to get ready to go to class. But something interesting took place when I walked outside of the dining hall. I felt like I was still trapped within Hogwarts, and I was walking around campus as if I was in the middle of a Quidditch match. (laughs) <laughs> and it, you know, no one told me as a child that reading would do that, would take me, you know, they say reading will take you places, but no one told me that it would be exploration into real world um, scenarios. No one said that it would help me visualize different planets, galaxies. It would make me feel like I'm actually within the places that I'm reading. And I think once I experienced that, that's when I said reading is more than just looking at words on a page and reciting them. It's actually exploring and exercising your mind in a way that I'm not sure anything else can do. I think once I had that experience, that's when I knew I wanted to share this with as many children as I could. So they didn't make the same mistake I did in terms of being a reluctant reader or neglecting books. Was there any person that pushed you and said, hey, Malcolm, you should read more, or here's a book you should read, I want you to get started? Or was it all internal, and did it come from inside you? I'm sure there were some subconscious subconscious messages that I was receiving. I don't remember one person saying that I just needed to be a good reader. I think I was on YouTube, and I was researching people that I deemed successful. And, you know, YouTube populates itself, right? So if you watch enough videos, it'll change content on you. And I was watching videos of Jay-Z, 
and his music videos and, uh, and 50 Cent when he was popular with music. And I watched enough of their videos where eventually populated me to where they were talking about books they were reading. And they blew my mind because I don't come from a world where entertainers such as those two and the topics they choose to make music about, there's no connection between that and reading books. You know, no one ever said that those guys read. No one ever said that reading equated to success. No one said that if you read, you're a little more likely to be financially stable. You're more likely to be healthier. You're more likely to make um, better decisions. And I hadn't heard those things um, because that's not the environment that I come from. So when I carried that enough, piqued my interest. And once I realized that reading could help me be better than I was in that moment, that's when I knew I had to go for it. Okay, I've heard stories with you at the University of Georgia when you played there, having joined a book club. So what was that experience like for you? How did that help you? Well, you are who you hang around. That's the approach I took to that. So if I hang around a bunch of readers, well, I'm assuming some of it will rub off on me. So I joined a book club of ladies who took me in. They embraced my eagerness to be an avid reader. And we met monthly while I was in school, and we read whatever books they chose, and I read some interesting titles, I'll tell you that. Some stuff <laughs> I want to pick up on my own. <laughs> what was the most interesting title that you read when you look back? There's one book, I think, called Sister or something like that. And it was about a baby getting lost at sea, and that lady finding them on a lost island. And then the news report came out about the actual parents of the baby that got lost at sea were looking for their daughter, but it had been 13 years later. So the woman didn't want to give it up, but her husband couldn't live with it. I wouldn't pick that title, but it was a good book. And yeah, we just went from there until, interesting enough, I, I started to read so much that it encouraged me to write. Yeah, and that leads right into my next question. In 2016, after you finished up at UGA, you're getting ready and kind of transitioning to the NFL. You come out and publish your book, The Magician's Hat. What inspired you to write that book? I wrote The Magician's Hat because I wanted to give kids hope in situations that I had, I had grown up in. You know, the world is a tough place. There are a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of negativity. And I felt like reading... Is, it, is an essential tool to overcoming all challenges. Being literate is, is necessary to overcome all challenges and give yourself the ability to live a productive and fulfilling life, whatever realm you decide that's in. And with the magician's head, I was trying to make sure that no child missed that message because it was so important. It's so important to growing up and being act successful as you want to be. If you can't read, you can't succeed. With that book, a lot of awards came with it. Did you expect that kind of thing to come where you publish a book and everybody starts talking about it? No. No, I, I had no idea. But I don't think I've ever really been focused on accolades. I think what I've been happiest about in terms of what the book has presented, it presented an opportunity to start the foundation. Because once teachers and educators realize that 
I was trying to make a stand for literacy, um, they became a tremendous support system for everything that I have done since then. And Share the Magic Foundation has been able to blossom and grow off that initial thought. Like those YouTube videos you were talking about, I think someone of your stature who's won a Super Bowl, played a lot of really fun football games between the University of Georgia and the New England Patriots. People and kids know who you are. They've most likely watched you play. So having that platform, you've launched your foundation. What's your foundation about? What are your goals? Share the Magic Foundation is the name of my 501c3. And our mission, one of our, our biggest mission is to become the number one advocate and resource for literacy in the country. But we also want to do that by introducing book ownership and lifelong benefits of reading to students and children in classrooms. I think our foundation is packed full of potential to grow and become a globally accessible tool for literacy. And I make that comment because we have some of the most fabulous, and I mean fabulous, virtual reading challenges that you'll be able to find out there. We took a very competitive and sporty environment and placed it within the realm of books, which is kind of cool because that's what you find when you hear my story, right? You hear sport and you hear reading. Well, we've combined that to make it a fun experience for children and students. So when you combine sport and reading, is there some kind of competitive aspect to it, or how do you combine that in your foundation to encourage kids to read? Of course, 100%. Our virtual programs allow students to read on the basis of reading minutes, which in sports term, you'll consider that point. For every minute that you read, you get one point. And whoever gets the most points wins and you're ranked upon how many points you can accumulate over a certain amount of time. Now, each program differs. At the moment, we have three. We have Read Bowl, Read Marathon, and Read Camp. Read Camp is the one that's next up, and it starts on May 25th, and it'll run until September 7th, I believe. And the program is just really set up for kids to have a fun, interactive experience with reading because the stigma today is reading boring. And it's hard to argue that when you can get on a PlayStation or Xbox and have this interactive feedback and actually communicate with other people while you do it. So we're trying to take this game approach to reading to get kids to have fun. But while you're having fun, you reap all the benefits of being an active reader. And those benefits are in surplus, by the way. Definitely. With your Read Camp 2020, I want to dive into that a little bit more. What is it and how can kids get involved? Read Camp 2020 is uh, my foundation's summer reading challenge. And we call it a uh, summer reading virtual training camp that tackles the summer slide. The summer slide is during the summer, kids usually drop off with educated material, right? This summer, they're out having fun. Uh, they're not required to go to school. So the gap between, say, third and fourth grade, in the middle, there's a little drop in that education, in all the education they've learned. So Read Camp is kind of in place to battle that and try to protect against the drop of knowledge throughout the summer. Interesting enough, COVID-19 has made it kind of a, a regular a regular thing. Kids are always at home now, at least for the time being. And my team actually talked about 
how Reed Camp can, can maybe help in ways with that also. But you can sign up for Reed Camp by going to www.readwithmalcolm.com backslash Reed Camp, and that'll take you to the registration page. And on the registration page, things will be pretty self-explanatory to register for Reed Camp. And once you're in the system, you can start reading, tracking your books, tracking your minutes, a.k.a. your points, and plugging them into our program. And at the end of Reed Camp, we'll have, we'll have winners that get prizes. Awesome. We're going to have that link in the bio of the podcast for Reed Camp for anyone that wants to check that out. And with COVID-19 ending school early in a way, forcing everything to be virtual, how has your foundation adapted to that and still tried to keep kids reading during this very interesting time? Actually, we started our virtual reading programs back in 2017, I believe. So we were already... I think my foundation was out in front in terms of virtual learning being a incredible tool to get a massive amount of kids involved in a program. With tangible programs, you can only be so many places at once. But virtually, if anyone can access the internet, they can be a part of the program. So we started to actually roll out virtual programs two or three years prior to COVID-19 becoming relevant. So we haven't really adapted much. We've had to go in and change some of our programming to fit the language for today. But in terms of trying to scramble and create a new model of operation, well, we haven't done that because we're already doing virtual programming. Okay. With your football career, it ended because of injury earlier than you expected. Has the foundation and being an author and everything that you're able to do outside of football has that helped you transition a little easier to life after? No, it was still tough. I was talking to another friend on yesterday, and we were just communicating about the path to becoming an athlete locks you into a narrow focus, and it's, it's necessary. If you ever take your eye off the ball in your pursuit of being a professional athlete, I can almost guarantee you won't reach the goal. But in doing so, you miss a lot of other little nuggets that you can pick up along the way that may help you be a bit more sustainable in life. I always say the life of an athlete, I'm sure entertainers too, is not reality. It's almost the furthest thing from it. But at some point, you have to be thrusted into an environment where you have to operate on the same rules and bases as everyone else. The only issue is you... You don't have to do that until your career is over. And that can be at 21, 25, 30, 40. But having the foundation and being able to write and continue to aspire has given me hope beyond what football could have given me hope for. Because football is very self-centered. But my foundation and what I write is solely on the basis of helping others. You were a part of one of the most iconic football games of all time, the Super Bowl in 2017 against the Atlanta Falcons, the 28-3 to game. What was that Let's like go. for you, playing such a big role in that game Let's as a receiver? Go. Man, it was cool, man. <laughs> I actually watched the game for the first time like two weeks ago. And oh, it's just, I wish I could relive it. I wish I could relive that moment to have absolute happiness and peace and I don't know, like, we sacrifice a lot in our pursuit to accomplish any goal, right? 
sometimes you get to the end of the goal and you say, man, I don't really know if that was worth it. When the ref raised his hands, when James White crossed the goal line, it made my entire 13, 14 years after playing football since I was a toddler worth every bit of sacrifice that came along with it. All the injuries, all the missed holidays, missed birthdays, everything was worth it when we won that Super Bowl. So I always say I, I hope anybody in the pursuit of something feels as happy as I felt after uh, we won that game. I'm curious, what goes through your head when you're down 25 points in a Super Bowl game, you come out in the second half, and it's not looking so good? Well, for me, I thought we have Tom Brady, so we'll be okay. <laughs> Definitely the right guy to have on your side. <laughs> I, no, I actually thought, I mean, that was really my thoughts. It was, he didn't look flustered, so why should I? He'd been there four or five times before that. I think he had been there. He had been there how many times? Like seven, seven times before that. So if he doesn't look bothered, neither should I. Well, you stepped up big time. I think it was six catches for seventy yards. You were one of the leading receivers for New England. How were you able to step up individually and put together that performance? I think throughout. From the time I got to New England, I, it was kind of clear that in order to be in that system, you had to give 110% every day. So every time I went to the building, I gave 100% effort. Every time I stepped on the field, I gave 110% effort. And I didn't want to look back on that experience, regardless if it was a year or 20 years. I didn't want to look back and say, I could have done something better. And that gives me a lot of peace today because every opportunity that was granted to me while I was in New England, I prepared for it. And, you know, fortunately enough, I was able to take advantage of them. And I think the Super Bowl was just an extension of what I had prepared for that entire first season. My final question for you, Malcolm, that Super Bowl ended up being your last football game outside of the preseason that you would ever play in. How does that go down with you when you reflect back? It makes me emotional from time to time. Um, I'm happy. Well, that's one way to go out, right? Right. Um, but sometimes it, it does suck to think, you know, the world really never – I was never able to put my true athletic ability, the gift I got from God, on display. Because, you know, by the time I got to the NFL, I was already – several surgeries in and I was playing at 85 to 90 percent of my potential it's okay I got a Super Bowl out of it got a a retirement plan able to to write books and be with my foundation full-time so I don't regret one single bit I the only thing I wish I would have been able to do is show what I'm really made of maybe I can do that in other things you know And I think you are with your foundation, Malcolm. That's all the questions I have. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you. Thank you again to Malcolm for taking the time to join me on the show and to the Share the Magic Foundation's PR representative, John Zakola. 
Coming up next on the Luke Winstall Show, I talk with five-star recruit, class of 2021 linebacker, Smile Mondin. Smile is one of the top 25 prospects in the entire country in the upcoming recruiting class and is being heavily pursued by schools like Alabama and the University of Georgia. But that concludes this edition of the podcast. I'm Luke Winstall. This is the Luke Winstall Show.